So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta podcast. We are here with uh, a really cool get, cool guest, actually. His name is Nick Constantino. Um, cool background, guys. He's a full-time teacher as well as a tr- trainer uh, here in Decatur. He's new to Atlanta. We're going to get into that here in a second, but uh, he works at an awesome gym here called Clarity Fitness, and guys, um, he is looking to make as big of an impact in the Atlanta area as quickly as he can. Super passionate. Passionate. Really excited to get him on the show. Uh, so, Nick, man, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, Nick, man, I've got to say. So, you are also you're a full time teacher first and foremost. Um, you know, we're recording. It looks like you're recording from your classroom right now. I am. Yes. This yeah. Is, uh, after school hours, a little bit, a little. After- <laughs> yep, in my classroom. Yeah. What uh, What do you teach? I teach social studies uh, specifically for eighth grade. And uh, the content that I teach is for Georgia studies. So it's anything about talking about Georgia in the prehistoric times all the way through things like the American Revolutionary War, Civil War, and modern day Georgia as well. Okay. Okay. So did you have to do a little bit of research before moving down here? I did. Yeah. Because <laughs> once, once I got down here and they said, you're teaching about Georgia, I was like, great, because I know nothing really about Georgia. So <laughs> I had, it's kind of a, a crash course right now in terms of learning all the content, but it's, it's been really fun to, to learn more about the state. Oh, for sure, man. It's like, uh, I forget, it was either like a podcast or a book. I can't remember exactly where I got it from uh, or where I heard, remember hearing the story from, but essentially there's like this like famous con artist, right? And he was a professor at a university. He made it all the way to being a professor and like the, the eventually got caught and he was arrested. And they asked like, how did you, it was like, he was like a professor for like many years, right? Right, right. And he was, they were like, how did you like con your way? Like, how did you even know the topics you were talking about? And mm-hmm. uh Cause he wasn't teaching like entry level courses by any means. Right. And right. he was like, he was like, it's easy. You just got to stay like one, one chapter ahead of what you're That's teaching it. and you're good. <laughs> exactly. As long as you're somewhat ahead of the kids, you'll be fine. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome, man. And I, dude, I've got to ask, we won't make this whole thing about you teaching by any means, but it's got to be a wild ride for you right now with COVID going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot. Um, I, this is my fifth year teaching and uh, obviously this is a new, chapter really in the educational world and it's it's kind of a balance balancing act of figuring out how we're going to figure out the the digital aspect and platform and and to give quality education to kids at home who need to be home but at the same time if kids are coming into the classroom balancing that as well Um, so it's i think it's also just taught me to really just be adaptable and flexible uh just with anything else in life and just know that it's you know in time things will pass but yeah, just really just trying to be there for the kids. That's kind of been the motivating factor just to kind of realize that, you know, they, they need something positive to look for every day. They need, they need uh, a good education and, you know, you just don't want to sell them short to, to anything. 
Dude, for sure. I think that's super important. You know, uh, passionate teachers like yourself, you can hear it in your voice when you talk, like they're incredibly needed. Um, cause you, not only do you, do you teach and, and train here, which we'll get into in a second, but you're also a coach, right? I am. Yes. Uh, I've, I've coached for a lot of different uh, teams. I've coached, uh, youth basketball grades five through eight girls and boys. I also coach high school football back in New Jersey for me. Um, but for my middle school that I'm teaching at now, I'm currently the head coach, uh, for our boys basketball team. Unfortunately, the season uh, has been canceled. Um, so we're looking to hopefully incorporate some things where we can kind of have some smaller, smaller workout times with a few kids uh, here and there. But, um, yeah, coaching for me is a great outlet as well to connect with kids outside of the classroom as well. For sure. I think, uh, you know, looking back like in high school, um, middle school, um, some of my favorite teachers, the ones I remember the deepest connections with were coaches, you know, uh, I think it's hard not to, you know, you spend a lot of time with them in class, you spend a crazy amount of time with them outside of class and Mm -hmm. you get to know the kids on a little bit of a different level too, you know, and they get to know you on a little bit of a different level. So Mm -hmm. I remember like classes always seemed way less intimidating because a lot of like football coaches, they typically were upperclassmen, um, like, you know, senior, junior level, um, teachers and right. by the time we got to their classrooms it was like super unintimidating because you know you already had him as a coach yeah you have that or thought, super intimidating like, yeah. i guess whichever way yeah, you're like, maybe it depends if it's like game day that might, might be uh, pretty serious yeah <laughs> yeah well dude you're a super busy guy so and then what's the motivation so you coach uh or i mean so yes yeah, so you're a coach you're a teacher i think training is is a very natural fit for what you're for what you're obviously good at but what's that motivation for you how did you stumble into the world of training and what's the motivation to keep driving because you got you got to be working like 90 hours a week minimum at this point man yeah it's a lot of hours uh on paper um so going back to my college time i i knew post football for me after i played uh in college shout out to albright college running pa um yeah um I think I realized that I wanted to continue to be involved with fitness because I was a lot more focused on the long-term effects. And I, I think, you know, as, and we've talked about this as well, is that you, you learn more as the years go on that there's a lot of benefits of training, not just the physical part of it. Um, so I think for me, I really wanted to get into fitness because I realized that it has had such a tr- dramatic effect on my life personally. And I've also seen how it's had a dramatic effect on the people that I've been able to work with. And for me, I just want to continue to teach people that uh, it's, it's possible to change. It's possible to have really positive impacts as much as you can. Um, and and because for fitness for me, it's not just the, the physical outlook. And I, and I don't want to, um, I, don't, I don't want people to think that it's just about the way you look in the mirror and, and sure those things are positive. You can get good thing, good emotions out of that, but it's, it's how you feel. It's, it's, it's the emotions behind your actions that I think, and that can carry you along with not just fitness, but any part of your life. Yeah, man, for sure. And like, uh, fitness and wellness and health and, uh, just general progressions toward being a healthy individual. They are, I mean, they, they impact every aspect of your life. You know, they impact your relationships starting with yourself, you know, and then that Mm -hmm. your, your relationship with yourself can be, typically is projected onto the people that you surround yourself with. So um, you you have a better relationship with yourself, better relationship with those around you. So I think that goes hand in hand, no Mm -hmm. doubt. And it, and uh, your ability to recognize that, especially such a, at a at a younger age, um, coming out of out of uh, collegiate athletics, I think is huge. Is that did you find like um, that personality fit, or that not necessarily personality, but that um, training philosophy fit uh, 
hit really well when you uh, interviewed over at uh, Clarity, when you started working over at Clarity Fitness? For sure, yeah. Also, another shout-out to Clarity Fitness and downtown Decatur. Um, so I think Abby Griffith, who, who is the owner there, she has a great philosophy. Everyone at Clarity does that. You know, it, it's, not, it's not about the scale. It's about how you feel. And I think after, you know, stumbling, really, which really happened for me, I just stumbled upon them. I just happened to come across them on the Internet. And then I called and I asked if they were looking to hire some trainers. And as I looked more into it, uh, it really did align with my personal philosophies of, of fitness and, and trying to understand that it's, it's a lot more about the, the feelings of the good positive emotions that come uh, through movement, through physical exercise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I see it all the time. And, and you know, when we work, who we work with in the clinic, they're typically people who are active or uh, have some point of emphasis on – um, and bettering themselves in a, in a health standpoint. Um, you know, we're not, we're typically not working with people post-op, not that there's anything wrong with that by any means, just, just not our audience typically. So, um, and it's really, and you know, it's interesting because early on in my career, you know, somebody would come in with knee pain. I'd try to find everything that I could find out everything I could about that person's knee, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'll try to figure out like, Oh, is it a torn meniscus? Is it a strained quad is it uh you know is it uh patellofemoral pain syndrome all these different diagnoses and i really didn't pay attention too much to what brought that person in there because i thought it was their knee pain but really at the end of the day it's not their knee pain that brought them in that person's been dealing with knee pain for seven years you know uh what it is is the person is now not able to do something that they enjoy doing right or they're or they're not able to be the person that they see themselves being and once I found that out and I, and I really started digging deeper to those intrinsic motivators, that's when it really became, that's when I really started to impact lives. Yeah. You know, I helped out a lot of people before then and, and you know, I'll continue to improve my clinical skill set for sure. But the ability to kind of tap into what's important to that person and why they can, why fitness is important to them or why they are exercising, you know, because right. inevitably you start digging into those deeper questions and it's, you know, all right, uh, Joe, why are you, you know, what brings you in today? Oh, my knee hurts. Like, oh man, that sucks. How'd you hurt your knee? Like, I was squatting. Oh, you squat? Yeah. How many, um, why do you work out? I was like, well, uh, I, I like to stay in shape. What does that mean to you? Like, you know, stay in shape means a ton of different things, as you know. Um, what, and then, you know, then you can start diving down the rabbit hole of like, well, uh, you know, like I like staying in shape. It helps me like, uh, you know, keep some weight off my, keep my, keep some weight off. I can, I tend to blow up if I pretty quick and it's like, okay, well, you know, Joe, why are you trying to lose weight, my man? Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's, yeah. what's that? And then you start diving into like, well, you know, I, uh, you could dive into like uh, security issues, you know? Um, there's a lot of that, both males and females. Males, way more so than they try to lead on. Oh, you know? 100%. 100%. And, uh, but yeah, so do you, when you're practicing or when you're, when you're training, do you try to dig deep into those intrinsic values of why those, why those, uh, clients that you're working with are truly there because it's, it's inevitably like the mirror like it's always good to look better naked right everybody of course wants to look good uh when they look at themselves in the mirror but yeah. that's a very short fuel system uh that'll that'll wear out real quick if you don't have a little bit of a better reason yeah i was just gonna say everything you said is 100 percent. i think asking the why like what is your why mm-hmm. is so important and I, I think too it's understanding that it's it should be your why should be bigger than a quick fix yeah. Uh, like you, you can get on diet fads, you can start a, a four week, eight week, 12 week program. And, and maybe in the short term, you might see some results and that might bring you some satisfaction. Uh, but I, I believe in longevity. I believe in things that are lasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm 27 years old, but for me, I want to be in a healthy lifestyle one day where I can 
play with my grandkids and be active with them and still have a, a sharp mind up there. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the kind of things that I, I think of. And I also think that if it's younger kids or, or younger generations, if they understand the impact that can, ha- that it can have neurologically right now, they're setting themselves up for so much success down the road when they are in their mid fifties, sixties or, or beyond. Um, you know, because for me, age is also just a number. It doesn't define, um, uh, anything about you. It's just, it just, it tells you when you were born and that's it. Um, so I think it's, it's time people, again, what is your why? Sure. You you're here, you're lifting these, these muscle groups and focusing on there, but, but what is making you want to be here in the first place? Yeah. I think you touch on a really good point there. The cognitive aspect to training is huge. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, when he was around, he would host all of his like really important meetings, uh, by walking around the the campus grounds, you know, Mm -hmm. um, he would not stand still. And a lot of high level CEOs and company founders do that. And, Uh, there's a very strong connection and a positive correlation. It's proven time and time again in the literature with um, cognitive uh, capabilities and mm-hmm. physical preparedness. You know, Absolutely. Um, that it's it's just indisputable at this point. So that's awesome, man. What, um, what age group or what's what's a very typical uh, typical client for you? Would you say? I would say in terms of my experience my typical client age is going to be somewhere in the high school range a a freshman or a senior anywhere in between there Uh, and and typically I've worked with a lot of youth athletes that maybe have some knowledge of being in a gym and and working out but they don't have that much knowledge and I I love to tap into that because you know they're, they're fresh out of the water they have so much to gain they're still growing in their bodies and I think that's such a an important age to tell them and direct them hey let's not rush this. Let's take our time with form. Let's master that as much as possible. And then we'll start to see some gains and gains and gains along the way. Uh, and I also just love to be part of that age group because if you have the chance to be with them for the long haul, maybe one, two or three plus years down the road, uh, it's such an awesome uh, feeling to be with a kid from, from day one, taking like a day one picture and then seeing them, you know, five, 10 years down the road and be like, Hey, look at you, man. You've, you've come a long way and that, that journey's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's funny when you say like, you know, you get somebody with like an early training age, right. Or somebody that may not, may not have had, uh, too many habits imbued in them yet. And mm-hmm. man, it's so funny. I love, I, I got to credit Brett Bartholomew with this one. It, it's the first, it's the first place I heard it, but every single person has their own like movement signature, right? They mm-hmm. all have their own like movement, John Hancock essentially. Yeah. Right. And ah, man, it's so true. I love like the age group that you like to work with. They're a ton of fun because, you know, they haven't had any coaching. So it's like, okay, pick up, pick up this barbell or pick up, you know, this PVC pipe, put it on your yep. back and let me see what a squat looks like for exactly. you, you know, right. um, or do some deadlifts and, and let's just see like where you're at. What, mm-hmm. what do you think a movement looks like? Exactly. And, uh, and that's always really fun, man, because at that age, you're really, especially working with like early high school. So we'll take like freshmen or, or even like middle school, right? Cause some mm-hmm. freshmen are actually biologically pretty far adapted, but, oh. uh, progress, but we'll take middle school for example. Mm-hmm. Dude, most of those kids, you're not doing a damn thing from like a muscle muscle uh, growth standpoint, right? Yeah. For sure, you can a little bit, but right. um, most of what you're doing is neurologic adaptations. Uh, you're doing a lot of um, just biomechanical improvement, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's how you load appropriately. Here's how right. you control force. Here's mm-hmm. how you can uh, pro, um, 
generate force in an appropriate way, right? And uh, you start instilling those those more appropriate movement patterns so that when they do come to, come to the time where they're going to actually stack on the muscle, man, they've got some good motor mechanics that they can fall back on. Um, yeah, and you know, and that transfers over to. Uh, and you see that like going back to the mental aspect, right? Like not just from like pure like cognitive standpoint, but from a confidence standpoint. I was just going to say. Yeah, you'll see that like, dude, guys and girls too. And, and all right, so a little side note, like um, people want to like whatever form of fitness that you're in, I think one of the best things CrossFit has done in particular has made uh, female weightlifting, like a cool thing to do. Like it's cool right. to look strong. I exactly more so than any other sport, any other uh, form of, of weight training CrossFit has done that for the female realm, which I think is no awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, dude, it's, it's, I'm sure you see it all the time, man. Cause you, you said you're in eighth grade now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you see some eighth graders out there peacocking around, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they think they own the world. They're like, Oh yeah. man, I got everything. I know everything, but little do they know. No, no, no. You got a little, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. Started. Yeah. Or on the flip side, like I'm sure you've taken one of your athletes and they're that, that quiet kid, no confidence. Right. And then they get into the gym, they get some good coaching. Uh, you know, they find a good leader, like someone like yourself and mm. or a good mentor and man, the, it's like the light switches come on, you know, and like they just, they become a whole nother person. Oh, I love that. I love seeing that. Whether it's like in the classroom on the field or anything like that, taking those quiet kids. Um, Cause I, I think we've all been there in some way or form. I wasn't the most like vocal kid um, in, in school, but you know, somewhere along the way I found my niche or, and I found my, my mentor or somebody to kind of unleash that for me. Um, I, I think that's, that's super important. And yeah, the, the words you use, I totally agree with it, which is confidence and building that, that muscle memory. And it's just, it's just constant repetition. Uh, Cause unfortunately I, I feel like a lot of the times in the society now it's, it's a lot of kids grew up with, instant instant gratification and oh i gotta master this movement i gotta master uh this exercise overnight but you gotta realize that that's just not realistic for sure um and and, you know if you talk to anybody in the the fitness industry whether it's bodybuilder a crossfitter or or anybody they they probably couldn't tell you the number of squats and deadlifts and pull-ups whatever movement they, they specialize in they can't tell you the number of reps they've done because it's just ingrained in their process every day um, so I think if we can tell kids too, Hey, just, just slow down. Like success is a long-term thing. It's not going to happen overnight. Oh my gosh. Yeah, man. Spot on. Have you ever read the book talent code before? Uh, I've heard of that, but no, I haven't read that. Yeah. You know, it, the, the general idea I'm sure you've heard of, especially that this is a big thing in the world of sports, but you know, it takes like 10,000 reps to master something. Right. Exactly. Um, just from a neurologic adaptation standpoint. And mm-hmm. that's a lot about what's talked about here in the book. Um, you know, they talk about like different hot spots of talent breeding that kind of comes up and, and it's, it's never places that have like all the tech, all the resources. Um, it's people who just grind. Right. And yeah. it's, uh, like soccer. I forget the exact area, maybe Barcelona. I can't remember Madrid, maybe, mm-hmm. um, somewhere where they produce just a shit ton of, uh, elite soccer players. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's cause futsal was huge there from the very beginning. So they yeah. get a way more touches. The field's a lot smaller. They got to think a lot quicker and they just get those reps from an early age. And then you get out on a big soccer field and it's, it's a no brainer. Right. Yeah. So like you've been doing um, this a million times. Oh, for sure. But then on top of that, getting those reps, what's important is um, failing, you know? And we live in a culture and a society right now that is uh, very afraid of failing, you know? Um, Which is really unfortunate, like to the point where people will just not progress out of the fail of, uh, out of the fear of failure. Um, So as a, as a coach, as a teacher, as a trainer, man, 
what can you give any examples or or what's kind of like your input on because you got you're challenging people to fail every day like oh, that's, yeah. what you, that's what you want to see i'm sure is yeah. is people fail and learn from that a hundred percent yeah i i think failure is something that's needed and you know i can almost use i almost use failure and adversity as kind of interconnecting mm-hmm. um, you know i don't like I, I don't like to have a classroom of kids where they're all a plus students or i don't like to have a, a team where they're all the same athletic or, or playing field um, everybody, everybody has their own niches. Everybody has their own uh, style they bring. Um, but yeah, I, I think failure is is what is what really enlightens you in terms of how you need to get better. Uh, and yeah. it, and it, it makes you realize that you know, okay, I have this goal, I have this aspiration, but I have a lot to learn, and I'm not going to get there overnight. I, I'm going to get through. I'm going to get there through reflection. I'm going to get there through a process. Um, you know, because I've had kids in, in a classroom that get very frustrated unfortunately that you know if i don't get an a every time then it's a failure but it, you don't you have to understand it's just it's teaching you that okay you have to hone your craft a little bit further to get closer to that goal um and i, and I just try to teach that as well with with clients and athletes you know about patience about it's it's, it's a process and it, it is a grind and you will come across adversity along the way uh, but my big thing too is you have two options with a reaction you can positively react to your adversity or you can negatively react to adversity. And I, yeah. I, I try to tell clients or whoever it is that, hey, you have a choice every day to positively react to whatever comes your, and cross your path. And, and that's just super important in your reaction. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and it just creates, it just creates a healthy relationship failing too, you know, mm-hmm. like, especially with the age groups that you'd like to work with and, and like your bread and butter there, the, um, the earlier on, I think that it becomes okay in your mind to fail, learn from that failure and keep moving forward, the better off you're going to be in life, man. Like, like, it'll like reduce anxiety rates, um, less risk adverse. Um, there's always a, always, you know, double, you know, balance act you want to play with that. But, Mm um, I I love what you're doing, man. I think that that's all really, really good stuff. Um, so when you do, so, all right, transitioning over to, to, train to the training world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your training philosophies in terms of, okay, so you get, you get a young gun in there. Uh, we'll call we'll say, um, an eighth grade basketball player, right? Um, uh, is it typically athletes you like to work with or is it just young kids? Uh, I could do young kids, but I've also had a lot of experience with specifically sport athletes that are trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, but also hone in on their, those specific skills and drills that relate to that specific sport. Yeah. So how do you balance out then? Do do you work with other coaches uh, like sport coaches in terms of trying to balance out like what their skill acquisition is from a sports side on top of training with you in the actual weight room? Cause a lot of these kids, especially where you're at in Decatur, a lot of these kids are coming from a school or, or, or different schools around the area that have some form of strength conditioning program associated with it. Right. So how do you balance out like adding in on top of what they're already doing? Yeah, I think it's it's really important is the beginning process and getting that background knowledge in terms of, all right, let's get all the details out. Tell me all the information you can about what you've done up to this point, what you're currently doing, uh, because you want you don't want to double down on things. You don't want to repeat what a coach they have currently or a trainer they might also be associating with that's doing the same thing. Um, so if I'm working with a an athlete, whichever whatever sport it is, basketball, soccer. Um, I want to offer them something different that's going to focus on different muscle groups or focus on a skill that maybe they haven't honed in on yet. Um, so I think it's also a lot of communication as well uh, with a different coach or with a different trainer to be 
getting the side of, of what they've seen so far for the client as well to see how you can uh, add something to their routine as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's awesome, man. It's all about communication and making sure that you're working with someone and, you, and you're just being part of the team, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, when you, so is there, when you get the, is it a lot of like one-on-one -on -one that you do or a lot of groups that you do? Let me ask that first. I've done, I've done groups. Uh, I've done everything from coaching and training uh, lacrosse girls groups, football groups. Uh, but primarily it's been a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Um, and in terms of one-on-one, -on -one, it's, it's been a really uh, awesome experience just to, uh, be with that, that one individual for, uh, months or even a year at a time to, uh, just have all that time to devote. Because obviously when you're working with a group, you don't have the opportunities you would one-on-one -on -one to hone in on, on those specific, uh, elements or specific issues that they may be having and tweaking your, your exercises or your things you're trying to do for that individual person. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, uh, you know, there's pros and cons of both. And mm -hmm. then when you get that person one-on-one, -on -one, do you have any type of standardization process that you like to use and from like a movement screen or, um, injury prevention or injury, not necessarily prevention, which by the way is a, is a trigger word for me. Cause, uh, nobody <laughs> can prevent an injury. It's, it's just impossible. You it's know, impossible. you can um, do all you can, you can stretch all you want, but it is what it is sometimes. Yeah, for sure. If I could figure out a way to prevent you from ever tearing your ACL again or prevent you from ever, you know, straining your quad again, um, I'd be, I'd be in a very wealthy area right now. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You wouldn't be talking to me. That's for sure. Um, um but yeah, but in terms yeah so, of, so what's kind of like your process for making sure that, uh, from a movement quality standpoint? Yeah. So in the beginning, uh, in that, in that process, we'll do a medical questionnaire. We'll also do a movement walkthrough, um, whether it's a, a three-step test, it could be a wall sit test, a push-up test, a plank test, um, testing that the, the core muscles as well. Um, and also uh, we'll do different stretches. We could do an overhead uh, squat assessment. Um, you know, you just want to make it as basic as possible to help them experience different movements that uh, see, see what they can do, see what they can't. Uh, and again, that's a conversation that you have to have with your client as soon as possible because I feel like the worst thing that you could do is just assume, oh, hey, they're good with deadlift, or hey, they're good doing pull-ups. Let's yeah. just let's just rock with it. Um, I, you know, and sometimes you want you love to do that and surprise them, but you also have to be uh, very professional about it and be very safe about it at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And then, dude, you're you're dealing with so many things from the age group of like middle school to high school. When you, when uh, whether you're coaching, teaching, or training. Uh, how do you, this is painting with, and without painting with too much of a broad stroke, I guess, but are there any general differences that you'll notice when you're working with like a youth female uh, athlete versus a youth male athlete? Big differences. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I've been very blessed to uh, work with both. I, I even, I've coached girls basketball, uh, shout out to Shane, St. James basketball in New Jersey. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, 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 I, I don't want to say girls are like this and boys are like that. For sure. Uh, but, but in my experience, um, you know, I, I feel like for some, for some female athletes, there, there is a little bit more patience. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's a, and for some male athletes that I've worked with, there's more of this desire that, okay, let's get going. Because uh, a lot of them, too, they've been ingrained in this, this culture and this sport for years and years and years. And maybe they have siblings that have also been through this process. Um, so they think that they're going to have that same linear process of success. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, if that's the case... I, I really try to harp it on. Listen, you you are not your brother. You are not this person. <laughs> that person. 
you are you and you literally can't change that and you're never going to change that. So let's focus in on just taking this day and making the best out of it and going from there. For sure, man. You know, it's, it's so funny that you bring that up in terms of like the patience that, uh, you know, typically, again, all with broad strokes here, not overgeneralizing at all, but typically um, females are, 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 will have a little bit more patience in the process and they respect the process a little bit more versus they males. Do. They just kind of want to get, get the results real quick, right? Or they just want to get to the big heavyweights. And, uh, um, and, you know, I see that even in the clinic, man. I see like uh, a, uh, let me say this too, overall, and I have no issue saying this. Overall, uh, females take way better care of their bodies than guys do. Period. Like, yep. like uh, the the women that I get coming into a clinic, man. Like, they've had knee pain for maybe two months, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the men I have coming into a clinic, they've had knee pain for seventeen years, you know. And right. finally, their wife made them come in because they're tired of hearing them complain about it, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's it's just a different mindset for sure. And I think it's definitely in like. And I see it on the golf course too. My wife is a, is a badass at golf and she's not even, she's very new to it. And it's because she, she's so patient with like, uh, just like enjoying the process of a swing versus me. I want to go out there and crush it every single yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say, that is not me. I, I wish I had your, your wife's patience because I'm, I'm really trying. Like I'm, I'm really trying <laughs> to get at golf, but like, oh my gosh, it's like, you just want to crush the thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Every time. And it's, it's never that, it's fun. To, it's never a good outcome ever. So I don't know why I do it over and over again. I, I, I fell, I fall into the stereotypical mold, man. Um, <laughs> speaking of trying to get results though, I, I can't let you hop off this podcast without talking about you trying to hit, you hit what 20 over 2200 pull-ups in a 24 hour time frame. I did. Yeah. You gotta um, go after the world record, right? I did. Yeah. So, uh, back in college, this is post playing football. Uh, I was really, again, hitting the gym pretty hard and getting pretty serious. Cause again, post football, I wasn't on my team schedule anymore. This is this is Nick Costantino's schedule. And uh, one exercise that I was doing a lot of was uh, pull-ups. And as weeks turned into months and so on, I started to realize, all right, I can, I can do a little bit more than, you know, than I did, a, you know, months ago. And um, I, I just, I saw something on a news article of, about a local person near me that was trying or, and attempting to do the same thing. And it, it literally just started as a thought in my brain. And then I reached out to, uh, a director at the local college's uh, fitness center. I, I gave her the idea and I told her what I was trying to do along with that uh, fitness uh, endeavor, which is uh, raising awareness for ALS in honor of my uh, grandfather, John Mondoro, who passed away from ALS. And uh, it was a great process. I did 2,375 in about nine and a half hours. Uh, I ended up tearing a little bit, or partially of my forearms. Um, don't remember of much of the next, yeah, of <laughs> course, you know, that, that that's probably gonna happen. Um, but as much as, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the failure thing. Um, I didn't break the record, but I honestly would, I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I would do it in a heartbeat over again. Um, because it, it really taught me that if you put your mind to something and if you are, are focused enough and dedicated enough, you will surprise yourself so much in terms of what you're capable of doing. And, and now I, now I really take that with, with anything that I do in my life, whether it's a, it's a busy schedule, a new city, whatever it is. I I don't, I don't look at it like it's impossible anymore. I look at it like I got this, let's take on the challenge head on. Love it, man. Love it. Nick, if somebody uh, wanted to reach out to you, uh, you know, maybe they're listening, they have a kid who could benefit from your services or they think they could benefit from their service from your services as well. Cause as much as you love working with kids, that's not all you work with. And you know, no, it's just, no, a, no. just a typical <laughs> athlete that you're a typical person. Um, you're, you're very diverse in your skill set. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they be able to do so? 
All right, so I, I would say the best bet is for you to visit our website at clarityfitness.com. And you can also go to my uh, fitness account. You can reach me at, at Nick underscore CosFit uh, on Instagram. And I also have an email, nickc at clarityfitness.com. Um, but yeah, Clarity Fitness, it's a great spot indicator, brand new gym, but we're just trying to get our brand out there as much as possible. And just again, make as much of an impact as we can to the community. Yeah, Nick, man, I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, so thanks so much for hopping on this podcast with me man, and uh, good luck with your endeavors here in, uh, in the Atlanta area. Um, I can just tell from your passion, man, you're going to do great things. So keep that fuel and, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, man. Yep. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.